it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. This is God's Word. God said it. That settles it. So today, open my eyes. Open my ears. I open my heart. I open my mouth to receive this Word. To be changed. Never to be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, turn with me to Matthew. We're going to really get into this thing this morning. I've got a lot of things to share with you this morning. Can I get an amen? I, uh, just before I came up here, I put this mint in my mouth. Got me off guard, amen? Can you bring the lights up a little bit more for me? Thank you very much. Matthew, did I tell you what chapter? Chapter 17. <laughs> Uh, you're always supposed to be in the Spirit. You're supposed to just turn that thing up, up and we'll get it, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Matthew chapter 17. We are going to, this is going to be part five on climbing your mountain of transformation. Now, we know that the Bible speaks that we're to speak to this mountain. Jesus said to speak to this mountain. If there's something in your way, if there's something holding you back, you can speak to that mountain. And he said, be thy removed, cast yourself into the sea, and it will be done. But I want us to realize and understand that we are, we are going to have to continue to speak to it. The Bible said, I believe, therefore I have spoken with the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. So you've got to begin to, God spoke things into existence. That's how we speak things. Somebody can talk you into getting sick. You can talk yourself into sickness. You can talk yourself into health. Come on, somebody. You know, you can go to work in the morning and somebody can go, well, you don't look too good. Are you feeling all right today? And you're going, well, I got a little tinge of a headache. And then break time about 10, 15, somebody can say, you know, you sure you're feeling okay? You're kind of looking a little peakish this morning. You're thinking, well, maybe I am sick. And then all of a sudden your mind begins to dwell on it. And by noon, you're calling up your boss and saying, I got to go home. The same way you talk your into yourself into sickness, you can talk yourself into health. Amen? Say, I'm healed and I'm whole in Jesus' name. You know, you got to begin to start speaking forth those things. And we said, you know what? We are in the middle of a transformation. Somebody say transformation. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed. How will we go through this transformation process? It's by the renewing of your mind. It's what you set your mind on. Just like you can have health and healing, you've got to continue to put your mind on that. You've got to speak it forth. Faith will begin to rise up, and you'll receive your healing. Can I get an amen? As, as God begins to start dealing with us on transformation, getting to another level in transformation. How many of you know we've got to climb? You can't be a quitter, and you can't be a camper, but you've got to be a climber. And I've got any climbers in the house this morning. You want to climb up to another level this morning, somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to climb. You better hook up with them because we're going to get to that next level. We're going to go to that next place. We're going to become climbers in the Spirit of God. Amen? Now, it's not easy. It's difficult. And if we're going to be transformed into the image and in the likeness of God, then there's going to be some things that we're going to have to do. Climbing is not always comfortable. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> Yo, Pastor, tell me how good it is and how wonderful God is and all the things that are happening there. I'm telling you, when he says, seek me and you'll find me, you got to seek after him. And sitting on the couch drinking Pepsi and eating Fritos is not seeking God. Hello, come on. When you look at that word seek in the Greek, it means to hunt after. How many of y'all are hunting something on the couch? 
You might be hunting some extra change or maybe the popcorn out of the middle of the couch or something. I don't know. But you begin to start hunting and seeking after the things of God. It's going to take some effort. Somebody say effort. It's going to take some effort. We begin to have, look at this, and we begin to say, hey, we've got to take some effort. There's going to be, going to be a time where we've got to climb, and climbing is not easy. It's difficult. But you know what? You're going to go to a higher level. You're going to get there. God is trying to, to pick us up to be the people that he's created us to be. He's trying to get us to move to another level. He's trying to get us to go to another place. See, I don't want to be like the Israelites that just died in their wilderness. They spent 40 years going around the same mountain. Every time I think and read that scripture passage, I think about when I was a kid and, and, and I used to have Winnie the Pooh. Anybody know who Winnie the Pooh is? We're in church. It's okay. Winnie's cool. He is. And you know what? When I was a kid, you know, they used to read me the Bible stories and we used to read it to our children. You know, and Winnie the Pooh, he would say, oh, bother, wouldn't he? And you'd see that, and what wouldn't he? He'd go into the forest, and they wanted to get out of the forest, and they kept walking around the same hole in the ground. You know what I mean? They were going round and round and round and round, and the Israelites were that way. They were going round and round. You're gonna, you're, the only thing you're going to get out of this this morning is Winnie the Pooh. You've got to get your mind back on the Word of God, amen? He goes round and round and round, and we, we, we never get out of where we're at. We never get to the next level. I'm telling you, that's going to change. Amen? I, I want to climb, and I want you to climb, to hear from God for yourself. Do you want to hear from God? It's going to take some effort. It's going to take somewhere where you're going to have to climb and use a little bit of effort. Matthew chapter 17. Let's look at these climbers in the Word of God, can we? Six days later, chapter 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them up, he led them up, he led them on a high mountain by themselves. You see this situation where, were they in the lower lands? Hello. Were they in the lower lands? Then they led them, so he led them up into a high mountain by themselves, verse 2. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as the light. Now, I want us to focus just a minute on that word transfigured. That word transfigured is the same word, the exact same word in the Greek as transformation. In Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That Greek word is metamorphosis or metamorpho. That Greek word means to be transformed. So he saw, a, they saw a transformation that took place. Jesus was transfigured before them. They went up to this mountain and he was transfigured before them. Just hold your finger there and let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want us to look at verse 18. But hold your finger there in Matthew 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want us to look at verse 18. Now, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. <laughs> that is the same word. 
metamorphosis or metamorpho. That's the exact same word in Romans 12, 2. It's the exact same word in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it's the exact same word that you'll find in Matthew chapter 17. Have you got that? If you got it, say, I got it. Do I need to go back over it if we need to make sure we get it? Everybody got it? Okay. Verse 3. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make you three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, check this out. Check this out. A bright cloud overshadowed them. A bright cloud overshadowed them. Man. And behold, a voice out of the cloud. Man. Who was speaking? God. They were in the lowlands and they climbed up the mountain. They saw Jesus transfigured before them. The law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah... We're meeting with the Son of God, the Son of Man. And now God, had God spoke to Jesus openly in the Bible before this? Yeah. You remember when he was baptized? By immersion, and he came up out of the water, and the heavens opened up, and what did God say? This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. See, so this is the second time that we see that Jesus actually having a conversation with God or maybe listening to the Father. Amen. He says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground and they were terrified. And Jesus came to them and he touched them. Get up and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except for Jesus himself. And as they were coming down from the mountain, where did this take place? What was the setting of this place? It was on a higher place, a higher mountain, where the disciples, Peter, James, and John, traveled with Jesus, went to a higher place with Jesus, and saw something supernatural. Come on, that was weak. Can I get an amen? They saw something supernatural. And what he spoke, what happened to them? They heard the voice of God. They saw things begin to happen. And they heard the voice of God. And they were afraid. And Jesus came over and touched them. And he said, don't be afraid. And they traveled back down the mountain. And Jesus told them, he said, hey, don't tell anybody about this until after I'm gone. There are some things that the Spirit of God is going to show you. That is not for everybody. Oh, come on, somebody. There's times where God will take you up, and some of you I know, you've experienced some supernatural heavenly realm things, and you've told somebody at work, and they shot it down. Maybe they weren't supposed to know yet. Come on. How many times have we said something? And said, oh man, I experienced this at church. Oh man, God began to move and he began to heal and deliver and things began to take place. And you tell somebody at work and they're going, that's nice. (laughs) They climbed up the mountain. 
They got out of the lower level and began to move to a higher level. And God began to reveal himself through the prophets and the law and his son. And the voice of the father began to come forth. And things began to happen and things began to change. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 10. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 10. Is it okay if we get in the word of God? I mean, we came to church, right? Matthew chapter 10. I want to look at some verses here. I want to share with you something that I found this morning. Chapter 10, verse 38. It says, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. You know what? Let's, let's go back to verse 28. I want to I lay something out here. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body who are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet none of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not fear. Tell your neighbor, do not fear. You are more valuable than sparrows. Tell them you're valuable. You're valuable. You are more valuable than sparrows. Therefore, anyone, Jesus says, who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father which is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think, here's, this is Jesus, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a Uh-oh. But Jesus is so loving. He's so kind. Pastor, you're so loving. You're so kind. You're supposed to give me everything that I ask for, aren't you? But you're a Christian. Anybody had that card played on them? That's a guilt card. Trump that thing with the word of God. Amen? That's a guilt card. And he says, this is what he says. He said, don't think I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Listen to this. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Let me lay some foundation down, all right? Because you can get wacky with this thing, all right? When it contradicts the word of God, you're going to have a conflict. You're going to have a rub. Okay, you with me? It's a rub. And he said, the enemies will be members of your household. And some of you are in here that the members of your household think you're crazy. Because you're following Jesus. You give your church the money to the church. You give your time to the church. Are you with me? You give all these things to the church. And what are you getting back? They don't know. The Bible's very clear in Corinthians that a natural man cannot understand spiritual things. So don't expect them to know. But there can be a division, I'm telling you. <clears throat> I love my family. I've got one brother and three sisters. But if they're not following after God, I'm moving on. Let me say that again. They're not following after God. I got to go. I still love them, I respect them, I honor them, 
My parents weren't following after God. They thought I was absolutely nuts to come out to Oklahoma and follow after my plan, my purpose, and my destiny with God. That's where the rub's going to come from. But he says, you know what? This is what Jesus was sitting here teaching his disciples. And he said, you know what? You're going to have to have, there's going to be division sometimes. That doesn't mean you have to get mean about it. Listen to me, brothers, sisters. You don't have to get mean about it. Well, I'm going after God. You don't like it? Too bad. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. You don't have to do all that. You don't have to do all that. You say, look, man, I love you, and I, but I'm a climber. And I'm going to seek after the things of God, and I want something better. Well, you, Mr. Old Goody Two-Shoes, you holier than now. I've been there, been through all that stuff. It's like, you know what? I'm sorry you feel that way. That's what you need to tell them. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'll see you later, man. You know what? There's a camper or a quitter, and you're a climber. Say, I'm a climber. You're a climber, and you're going to have to keep climbing. You're going to have to get to that next level. You're going to have to go to that next place. So we see these things. And then verse 7, 37, he said, He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are some harsh words. I'm not going to get into a teaching on this today, but we'll come back to this sometime. But I want you to understand, God has to be your top priority. My wife and I, she knows that she's second. Listen, listen. She knows she's second. She can get up here and testify and say, I am not the top priority in her life. And I can get up here and testify that I am not her top priority in her life. Hello, husbands and wives are going, what's he talking about? God has to be your top priority. That's it. We got a teaching out there on the four foundational laws of marriage. You need to get that. You got to put God as your top priority in your life over your children. We're going to hit everybody here. Over your grandchildren. Over your work. Over your spouse. God's got to be the top thing. God's got to be the top notch thing. That's it. It's got to be God. He's got to be it. And that's what he's saying here. He's talking about a motive here. And then he gets into verse 38. And he says, He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake, we'll find it. I want us to look at the Amplified Version. We're going to put up the Amplified Version for you because the Amplified Version, how many of you know it's louder? Because it's Amplified. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me. That's what he says. Cleave steadfastly to me, conforming just a little bit to my example. Oh, Say what? conforming wholly to my example in living and, if need be, in dying. You see that? In living. And if need be, in dying also is not worthy of me. Whoever, here's where we get to, whoever finds his lower life will lose it. The higher life. What are you losing? I'm losing... I found my lower life, I'm losing the higher life. I found the life that, uh, of drugs and alcohol and pornography and bitterness and hatred and jealousy and envy. I'm telling you, that's the lower life. You're going to lose what? The higher life. He says, well, we'll lose it. But now here's what he says. 
And whoever loses his lower life on my account. Uh Uh-oh. Look, I am serving God, not for what he can do for me. Let me say that again. I think you just missed it. I am not serving God for what he can do for me. I'm not serving you, Lord, just so you can gimme, gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. Make my life better. I am serving God because what he's already done for me. Come on, somebody. Oh, you got to hear me today. If God never heals another person, if he never delivers another person, he's already done enough. He's done enough for me to serve him. For me to come and to worship him. For me to lift my hands and say, God, I surrender everything to you. He's already done enough. If he never brings another financial blessing, if he never brings another, but he will. I know it's, gonna, it's happening. You know why? Because there's principles in his word. I know the word well enough to know that when he says give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He'll cause men to give into your bosom. I know the, I know the word enough to know seed time and harvest. And there's a season for everything in Ecclesiastes. I know the, I know the word enough to know that when, when we do the principles in the word, things begin to happen and God continues to be God. But if he doesn't do anything else, if he never brings another visitor in this place, if he never delivers another person, if he never saves another person, God, it's you and me, and I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to, you're going to be my God, and I'm going to be your son. And it doesn't matter what my situation and circumstances are about. God, I'm still after you. But I want to lose the lower life, because he says when you lose the lower life on my account, you will Find high life. The high life. See, let's, let's get real this morning. You can watch television and you can see them advertise Miller Beer, the high life. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's a bunch of hooey, isn't it? Yeah, but you know what? They got all them girls in those commercials and all those things that are happening in those commercials. That's not real life, guys. That's not real life. But he says you lose, and you know you what? You go out and you buy a Miller, and you think you got the high life. You go to a party, and you're like, hey, man, I got the high life. I'm at the high life. I got the high life. You know what I mean? See the commercial? It's me, man. Hello, wake up. That's not you, but they got your money. They don't care anything about you. They could care less about you. All they want you to do is to buy some more. Come on, somebody. So he says, if you lose your lower life on my account, because you're following after the things of God, because you're pursuing after Jesus, because you want the the blessings of the Holy Spirit, you want to be changed, you want to be transformed into the image and the likeness of God, if you lose these things on God's account, he says you will find a higher life. Somebody say, high life. Say, I'm moving up. I mean... (laughs) I'm moving up. I don't know about you, but I'm moving up. Don't you get mad at me in 10, 20 years from now where I'm moving up. Amen? And then all of a sudden, the the gap gets bigger because I'm moving up. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm moving up. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm moving up. Check this out. I found this this morning. I I found this this morning. I got to get to the page. This is in, in the Message Bible. And here's what, here's what, let me read this to you. Listen to this, just a minute. 
Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. If you turn tail and run, do you think I'll cover you? Don't think I've come to make life cozy. I've come to make or to cut or to make a sharp knife cut between a son and a father, daughter and a mother, bride and a mother-in-law. Cut through these cozy domestic arrangements and free you for God. (laughs) This is good. Well-meaning family members can be your worst enemies. If you prefer father or mother over me, you don't deserve me. If you prefer son or daughter over me, you don't deserve me. Check this out. You know the but gods and the ifs and things like that? If you don't go all the way with me, if you don't go all the way with me, through thick and through thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. Higher life. Wow. We've been talking about climbing your mountain of transformation and saying that it's difficult that it's not going to be comfortable, that there's going to be rocks in your boots and you're going to have to pull over and untie them and shake the rocks out. Climbing your mountain of transformation is not easy. You know, I began to think on this and I thought, you know, it's kind of the first time I went skiing. Does anybody ski in this place? Raise your hand. Anybody remember the first time? It was so easy, wasn't it? Just a piece of cake, you know? I remember I went and took lessons the very first day I learned in North Carolina and the small mountains that are out there. And the, the next day, we, were, we, were, we, were, we had a condo on top of the mountain. And you could actually come out of the condo, put your skis on, and ski <laughs> down to the bottom. Well, it had kind of rained a little bit, and it was icy. I didn't know what an icy condition was until I hit that mountain, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I just went through the one slope that in order to get to the bottom, you had to take a couple lifts and, you know, and go all the way down. But I went through that one slope. We got out, and I was with a friend of mine, man, and he gets on them skis, and he just takes right off, and it's just... You know how it sounds like when you're on ice? He's just going on, and I'm falling and sliding 30, 40 yards, you know. I'm like this, and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Well, what are we doing here? You know, we're putting these little sticks on our feet, and we're up here, cold, and now it's wet, and now it's icy, and I've hit my head. But you know what? I was determined. I I like a little competition now and then, and and, you know, I was determined. I'm like, I'm going to get down this mountain. I'm going to get my lift ticket and come up and do it again. What was I thinking? But I mean, I just, I mean, I struggled and struggled and struggled, and I fell six, seven, eight, ten, fourteen, fifteen times. You know what I mean? But then I I finally got down to the mountain and I said, we're not going back up on that slope, are we? We're going to go on something that was a little bit different, a little easier, you know? You know, I could barely, you know, ski a a green, let alone a blue-black that we came down on with ice on it. And I I was in trouble. But you know what? I realized and understood that even through the pain, 
that I was going to continue to climb. I was going to continue to learn. I'm going to learn how to ski this thing, and I'm going to ski without falling. Anybody know have that attitude before? That's the attitude that we need to have with climbing. I'm going to climb this mountain here. I am going to be transformed into the image and into the likeness of God. I'm going to come out of the lowland, up into the higher land. I'm going to ascend into the heavenly realms. I'm going to be seeing things that other people aren't going to see because they're going to stay down there. I'm going to move up. I'm moving up. I'm getting up. I'm moving forward. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm, I'm not going to be held back. I'm going to move forward. Praise the Lord. Amen. He is worthy. Let me get on with this thing. But we, we, we shared with you five things that you must have to be a climber. Let me give you those five real quick and I'll move forward. Five things that you must have. Number one, you must have desire. Say desire. The second thing is drive. The third thing is discipline. The fourth thing is diligence. And we're going to come back to that. And the fifth thing is determination or commitments. You've got to have these things. You've got to have these things in order to be a climber. You've got to develop some of these things in order to be a climber. Let's take a look at diligence real quick. Diligence in Proverbs 10, 4, it says, A lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Think about that. I'm going to give this to you here in just a little bit. Another version of it says, Sloth makes you poor, but diligent hands brings wealth or makes you rich. I mean, people prosper Listen, when they're diligent. People prosper when they're diligent. Not when the welfare system comes through. People prosper when they're diligent. Not when the union steps up and gets you a raise. People prosper when they're diligent. I just, I met a brother this morning. We talked about some things. He had talked about getting promoted, getting promoted, getting promoted. You know why? Because he's diligent. He's diligent. He's faithful. He's got drive. He's got determination, he's got discipline, and he's got diligence. Diligence is, it's not when you're, you're getting lucky. It's not when the lotto comes through that you're going to be diligent. It's not when, I'm dating myself, Ed McMahon shows up at your door. Some of you guys may not know who Ed McMahon was, but they did a magazine sweepstakes things. I filled them things out. And then I would get another one that would tell me, I'm in the final ones. Then you look at the statistics on that thing, and you're in there with 364 million people. (laughs) So you're going to prosper in diligence. The hand of the diligent makes one rich. Let me give you a very simple definition of diligence, is stick to it. Say that, stick to it. Say it again. One more time. I mean, think about our low life. We've stuck to that low life for 10, 20, 30 years. We've been diligent in sticking to that low life. But God wants to get us to a higher level. He wants to move us up to a place out of the low life, out of the meteorocracy, out of the the things that are down there and move us into a higher life. Somebody say higher life. And how's it going to happen? You're going to have to be diligent. Let's take a look at this. Let me break this word down for you real quick. Diligence in the Hebrew... It's pronounced karutz, and it means active or incisive. It means a threshing sledge, having sharp teeth. Figuratively, it can mean determination, also eager. Incisive. I began to start thinking about that, active or incisive. Incisive means to cut away everything that is not important. 
Cut away everything that is not important. There's some things, issues that Shelley and I may talk about, and we have a saying that it'll burn. In other words, when the fire of God comes, the issues we're dealing with, it'll burn. It's going to be chaff. It's not going to really matter in the whole scheme of things. But yet sometimes it's just about you getting your way and wanting what you want. That's what it says. To cut away everything that is not important. How about a threshing? Let's look at a threshing. I thought about, you know, you can look at the threshing floor in the scriptures. And it means a cutting. It means a sharp, deep cutting. Having sharp teeth or a sharp instrument. Man, just just a cutting sharp instruments, a threshing to take place. And there's a lot of us at times, we go through a threshing. I don't know if you realize it or not. You go through a threshing. There's times where you're like, God, I don't want to do that. We look like the kids in the grocery store. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. Give me the candy bar. I mean, there's times where I've been in line and that kid's going on and kid's going on and kid's going on and, and the mother won't give him the candy bar and I'm like, give him the candy bar! Wrong idea. But you know what? There's a threshing that's going on inside us. There's a, a, a battle that's taking place in our mind and in our soul. And the things that are right and the things that are wrong, there's a battle going on. There's a, uh, there's a place that God's wanting to get us to and climbing your mountain. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 7. He said, the things that I do, I don't do. And the things that I want to do, I keep, or I don't want to do, I do. The things that I don't, the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. He says, who can rescue me from this body of flesh? He said, oh, what a, what a bad guy am I. What a wretched man am I. And then in chapter 8, the Holy Spirit moves in and says, let me bring you some revelation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You operate either in the, the law of life in Christ or you operate in the law of sin and death. Amen? There's two laws that we're operating in. You're operating in one or the other. And to be a climber, you've got to operate in the law of life. Because you've got to be able to anoint your knees and your legs and your arms and your, your head because you get tired and, it's not, and, and, you, and you sweat and you, you break blood and you go through some things and you say, I've got to keep climbing. It's sore, but I'm going to work through it. Because all of a sudden when you work through it, you get to the summit. And when you get to the summit, you can see some things that other people can't see. You get up there and you see those things. Let me give you some scriptures to take a look at. See, when we cut through... When we cut through some things in our lives, we're going to get to the gold vein. I don't want to just get a nugget. I want the vein. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if I sat up here and said, here's a nugget. Now, gold nuggets are good, and I'm not saying anything wrong about that. But what would you rather have? A $100 nugget or a gold vein that can supply endlessly? That's a no-brainer. We'd take the gold vein. Being a diligent person, you've got to cut through these things. Being a diligent per- person, we've got to cut through the surface and get down into the deep things of God. And I believe God was doing that this morning in praise and worship. Amen? I believe he was cutting through some things. We've got to go beyond the norm. We've got to get out of the mundane life. We've got to get into a life that produces results. And the high life will produce results. Come on, somebody. You need to hear that today. The high life will produce results. So don't get to the point where you quit. Don't get to the point where you camp. 
but just be a climber and push through it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better push through it. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them to push through it. We need to get to the point when we're diligent on cutting through the low life and getting into the deeper things of God and operating in the higher life where it will produce results. Let me give you some scriptures. You can write these down. I'm going to put them up. I want you to just meditate on them this week. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. He who works with a diligent hand, poor is he who works with a diligent hand. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand. But the hand of the diligent makes one rich. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. Let me give you a couple more scriptures. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. A sluggard is a slothful man, lazy. But the soul of the diligent is made fat. One version says the soul of the diligent is abundantly supplied. Abundantly supplied. You want to be diligent in the things of God? Guess what? You're going to be abundantly supplied. Oh, come on. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. God's going to make a way in the middle of the darkness. All of a sudden, the light's going to come on. Revelation's going to come. Wisdom's going to come when you're diligent with the things of God. That's, that's Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 4. Let's look at Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surety to poverty. Meditate on that. Let me give you a couple more real quick. Proverbs 22, uh, 29. You see a man skilled in his work, he will stand before kings. See a man skilled in his work, he'll stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Guys, there's times where you're working and you're being an excellent employee and you think nobody knows and you think other people are getting away with because they're stealing time. You be diligent. You do the right thing. God's going to reward you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to reward you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God's going to reward you. God's going to reward you. Let me give you a let me give you a 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. You see, God's trying to lift us to a life that's higher. He's showing us what it takes for a higher life. That's where you have an abundance. That's where we get the overflow. Here's a place that God has for us. He has for us to bring us to a place where we go to a higher level, where we have the abundance, where we have the overflow. Now listen, don't shortcut the process. Okay? What do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked me. Don't think you can have a bill. I'm going to talk financially. Don't think you can have a bill that is a year or two old, and you're not going to pay it, and you're just going to move on and forget it and dump it in seven years. Get it cleaned up. Don't think you can have a lifestyle of sin and live in a lifestyle of sin and climb higher to God, and God won't address it. Because He will. In fact... 
in Matthew chapter 10, it talks about those things I think that were even in the dark would be shouted from the rooftops. So don't think that we can shortcut the process. Are you with me? I mean, as you go through this process of climbing this mountain, don't think you can get a helicopter to come in and lift you up to two or three levels higher. Because you, there's a process that you're going to have to learn in order to get into that higher realm. Am I making any sense? I don't know. Are y'all getting this? Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't go from the first grade to the seventh grade because what you've got to learn in the second through the sixth is going to prepare you for the seventh grade. That's clearer, isn't it? Okay. I have a hard time sometimes making myself clear. But, but what I'm saying is don't short-circuit the process. Now listen, don't think that you can't climb three levels in a day. Because you can. And we're believing that this generation that God has, that He's bringing forth, that we're going to reach that generation. The guilt, the shame, the transgression, transgressions, the iniquities that this generation is dealing with, we're believing that God is going to be able to heal and send them forth quickly. They're not going to have to spend 20 years laboring in the church to get to a point where they can prophesy. It's going to be like, bam! What's happening? I've been transformed. (laughs) I'm the butterfly. (laughs) I'm ready to come forth. And things begin to happen quickly. As you climb, things will be happening quickly. I don't think it should take you 20 years to get delivered of a bondage. I don't think it should take 20 years to get you delivered out of pornography. Come on, somebody. It's going to take casting out a demon and you setting your mind to say, I'm not going back there anymore and I'm going to guard myself when I get on the Internet or when I look at magazines or I go into this store or that store. I'm going to set myself on those things. The Bible says anything good, anything lovely, anything perfect or of good report, Think on these things. You're going to have to change your mind. When we move up, as we continue to move up by the Spirit of God that's within us, and I am believing, I am sensing here today that something's happening with you. Something's happening with you. Pastor, you don't understand. I, during work, I just my mind is on God. I can do functionary things, computer and this and that. But my mind is on God. I'm trying to do work at school, but my mind is on God. All of a sudden it comes back and I'm thinking about God at recess. And I'm thinking about God at lunch. And I'm thinking about God in the afternoon. And I'm thinking about God in the evening. Are you with me? Things are beginning to happen. I believe that things are stirring up within you. Things are beginning to happen. And you know what? You're fearful of it. I've been there. I'm there at times. You know, God, I just want to slip away with you. I, I, but I'm afraid if, if I do, what's somebody going to say? What's my mom going to think? What, what's my dad going to say? What's, what's my Aunt Martha going to do if I just say, Aunt Martha, please don't talk negative any longer about so-and-so? We're afraid of conflict. We're afraid of what it's going to bring. Moses went up in the mountain with God. We read about that. And the Israelites, they said, you go, Moses. Tell us what, he's, tell us what he says. 
I don't want to be the person that just goes to the mountain and I come back and tell you what's going on. I want you to go with me. It was God's design for the Israelites to come up a little bit higher. To come out of the low life. To come out of the normal, the mundane, and to get into the life that God has. And I believe that Living Word Fellowship is the kind of people that want to experience everything with God. That you want to have less of yourself and more of God. That's a scriptural principle. I must decrease so God can increase. It's not easy when you want your way. The question is, is what's keeping you from climbing your mountain? What's keeping you from moving forward with the things of God? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you. He's at work in you, both to do His will and His work for His good pleasure. The things that's going on inside you, brothers, sisters, my beloved, the things that are happening there, God's dealing with some stuff. And when you continue to climb, you've got to shed yourself of some of that stuff, some of that baggage. You know, them climbers, they don't take a 100-pound pack, do they? They're climbing up. Look at this guy here. What's he got on his back? Well, what happened to his 100-pound pack that he probably started out with? What happened to his tent that he probably had? And what about his, his camping equipment? Where's his RV? What did he do with that thing? Are you with me? What about all his camping equipment? Where did it go? That's it. He sleeps on the rocks. It's not comfortable to sleep on the rocks. I've been there. It's not comfortable. The question is, what's it going to take for you to climb? I want you to stand up here a minute. I want to I speak for some things today. I want us to do a confession, all right? Stand up and let's say this after me. Father God, I confess that I have quit, that I have camped, but today is a new day. I'm a climber, and I declare, and I decree that today I will start climbing. I'll climb that mountain that you have for me. I know what it takes. It takes desire, drive, discipline, diligence, determination, and commitment. I'm letting go of the low life, and I'm moving up to the high life. I'm letting go of old ways, old thoughts, old attitudes, and old actions. I'm climbing up to new heights, new places, new experiences in you. I'm climbing up to meet with you. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a camper. I'm a climber. I said I'm a climber. And I'm climbing to new heights in you, God. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. He is worthy. You're climbing up. Because you're a climber. I want you to tell three people you're a climber. Tell three people you're a climber. Tell them that you're a climber.